Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Bridget Wasson. Bridget has been an animal welfare professional for over 20 years. She has held leadership positions in both nonprofit and government animal shelters. In 2014, she started the Path Ahead Animal Shelter Consulting, helping humane organizations to set up and run life-saving programs. She serves on the board of directors of the Missing Pet Partnership, a national nonprofit dedicated to lost pet prevention and recovery. She and her partner, Maureen, live in Northern California with two horses, three dogs, and several cats. Bridget, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Stacey. It's good to be back on the show again. So um, the bio says three dogs, but you just mentioned you adopted a new dog. So does that mean you now have four? Yes, we now have four (laughs) dogs. So it's a house full over here. (laughs) Well, congratulations on that one. (laughs) Thank you. So Bridget is on the show for a second time. For the folks that uh, missed one of our earlier episodes, Bridget was on episode number 15. If you can believe it, we are now at episode 151. So that was a long, long time ago. So for folks that are interested in finding out more details about the Missing Pet Partnership and the work she did and how she got started, feel free to go into communitycatspodcast.com, into the search bar. You can put the number 15 or you can put Bridget Wasson and her show will come up and you can catch up with what Bridget has been up to going there. This month being March, we are doing March Microchipping Madness Month. So we're going to be focusing quite a few of our shows this month on microchipping. And as part of the Missing Pet Partnership, I thought Bridget could really provide a lot of insight into microchipping, what's it all about. And so we're going to just do what I'm calling a deep dive into microchipping. So Bridget, I was just wondering if you could quickly review specifically what is microchipping and how is it done? Well, that's a good question, Stacey, because even though we've been doing microchipping for over 20 years, 25 years, most people in the public don't understand what it is. They think it's a GPS. They don't understand registration. So when microchipping first started, it was like early to mid 90s. The shelter where I was working at the time had its first reclaim of a dog with a microchip. And we all cheered. It was like a giant party. We thought this was going to solve the problem of lost pets forever. If every pet is chipped, then how can they ever get lost? But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And so now, 25 years later, what we are still seeing in the shelters is that only about half of the animals that are microchipped are currently registered. So it's a constant frustration for animal shelters. So specifically a microchip is like a little, I'm going to say a little doohickey. (laughs) It's a little thing (laughs) that you actually inject with a needle, correct? That's correct. And I, and I should know the doohickey word because I actually wrote legal language for an ordinance regarding (laughs) microchips, but I don't remember. It is a device the size of a grain of rice And basically all that's on it is it's a tiny chip with a barcode. That's all that's on the actual chip. So you run a scanner over the animal with the chip or over the chip in the package, and it gives you a number. It's just like if you buy something in the grocery store, it goes blip, and there's a code number for the item that you're purchasing. That's all that it is. 
what you as the pet owner have to do is register that number to your name, address, and phone number and other contact information. And that's what makes the system work. But it can get very confusing because now when it first started out, there were maybe two companies processing microchips. As of today, there are at least 19 different registries. So you can imagine how confusing that is for people who already don't really understand what a microchip is. So there is no universal registry or there's a universal scanner that is connected to all of these 19 organizations? Fortunately, today there is an ISO compliant scanner, which most of the companies will sell, whether it's Home Again or PetLink or what have you. As long as you get the ISO scanner, it should scan at least all of the American chips. Now, there may be some different frequencies if the animals have been brought in from other countries. But typically what you're going to see are animals that are from the United States and that were chipped here. So, so those scanners should hit all the chips. The problem is it's also not a perfect system. The batteries have to be good and you have to scan a certain way. And I've seen 101 ways to scan incorrectly. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. you may think that you've checked the animal for a chip, but you really haven't. Or the chip has migrated in the body. It might be up under the armpit instead of up between the shoulder blades where it's supposed to be. Right. I've heard about the chip migrating. Um, And so when you are scanning you should scan more than just sort of the back shoulder blades. You should kind of scan around or, or if it migrates, you're just not going to pick it up. No, you should. Every time you scan, the scanner should actually be touching the animal. It should be that close, pick up further away, but you know, there's no guarantee. And you should be running it over the entire body, everywhere, the belly, the legs. Now, obviously with cats that aren't friendly, this isn't going to be easy, but there is a way that I teach that cats that appear to be quote unquote feral can be scanned and also vaccinated safely in a net. Mm. And that way you're checking for ownership because they may actually be a pet cat or if they are a feral cat, they may have been chipped by a TNR group. And you can also vaccinate them to prevent disease in your shelter. And when I register my cat, if I get my cat through a shelter that's already done the microchipping, they oftentimes will register the cat for me. But if I get my cat microchipped at a veterinarian's office and I have to do the registration, does that last only for like a year's time or is that a lifetime registration? And what happens when I move? What do I need to do for that? So that's a good point because many of the chip companies offer premium services like pet insurance, lost pet alerts and other things. So people will receive a bill after one year And they believe that they have to keep paying that to keep the chip registered. But that is not so. Once a chip is registered, that information will stay for life unless they call in and and change it. It, That can be very misleading for some people because it's only a bill for the premium services. However, it is the owner's responsibility if you move or change phone number or if you rehome the animal that the new owner will update that information. And this is what we see a lot is that people move around, they have different telephone numbers and the information may be the name of the current owner, but the phone numbers are disconnected. Or it's the name and information of someone who owned the pet five years ago. And they say, well, I gave that pet away and I don't remember who took my cat five years ago. So those, you can reach a lot of dead ends or some people don't even know their animals are chipped. 
So they're not even thinking about registering it. So right. so it's a great system and we recommend that all cats be chipped, but it certainly isn't foolproof. What's the approximate cost to get your pet microchipped or even at the shelter? I mean, is it a prohibitive cost for even the shelters to have a microchipping program? Well, the chips themselves are very cheap. And when purchased in bulk, they can be bought for as little as $5. It's somewhere between $4.99 and $9.99 today for bulk orders of chips. And that includes registration. So the actual cost isn't that much. The problem is that a lot of vet clinics want to make money off of this, which I understand they're trying to run a costly business, but sometimes their charge can be $50, $60, $75, and that's prohibitive for a pet owner, especially if they have multiple pets. So the shelters will often have a low cost for microchipping. So it's always good to check with your local shelters and humane societies. And what we've been encouraging for shelters or other nonprofit groups is to just have a free microchipping day because the chips are so cheap that it's just cheap insurance to ensure that those animals won't end up at the shelter with no owner information. So some uh, some of our folks in Missing Pet Partnership have been working with their local nonprofits or their local pet hospitals to actually hold a free chip clinic day. And people bring their pets, they'll insert the microchip, and they'll actually register it right there or make sure to follow up that it gets registered. I think it would be interesting if there was some way to get more information out about microchipping at the point when people license their pets. Yes. And some some animal shelters and animal control agencies are doing that. They're sort of combining the efforts. So for example, when they send out the licensing bills every year, every three years, whatever system they have, they're including information on microchipping. Or some counties like Santa Clara County, California, has started holding yearly microchipping and rabies shot clinics because they want all the pets to get rabies shots and sign them up for licensing. But they're like, here, here's a microchip while you're here. So they're, they're taking care of two things at the same time. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. Are you starting to think about that special gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping community cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. From a standpoint of community cats, I would say 
you know, the numbers of cats that come into shelters that have microchips are probably pretty low in those numbers. But in the cases where they are microchipped and with the hope that they do have current registration information, I would think that this would create a lot of happy endings. It does. And and a, a lot is relative because the RTO return to owner rate in shelters is pretty abysmal for cats across the country. It's between one and 2%. Some shelters are doing better. Now, obviously litters of kittens are going to skew those numbers during certain times of the year, but still the percentage is not great. It might go up to 5%. So still most of those cats are not being found. And some folks who are doing large scale TNR don't really want to invest in chips. But like I said, today, with them being so inexpensive, some of the TNR and cat rescue groups are just chipping every cat, even if they're just going back out to the territory. Because what they want to know is if that cat gets trapped and ends up at a shelter, they can go pick it up. Or if, say, the cat is injured and brought to a pet hospital, they can be called to either authorize treatment or euthanasia if the animal's severely injured. Otherwise, they'll just never know what happened. They'll just disappear out into the environment. And it's also helping them track because if there may be public concern that there are too many cats in an area, if there's pushback about a new TNR program, they can pull up the records and say, well, we've microchipped every cat that we've put back out into their community, and we're just not seeing a lot of them being trapped or being hit by cars. And so they have some actual data to tell people like what you may think anecdotally is happening is not actually happening. Yeah. And one other thing that it's been used for is to help with identifying vaccination dates. So for rabies vaccination, so if you've got a cat that has a wound and you need to prove that it's either current or has had received a rabies vaccine, the microchip can help with doing individual identification of that cat. Exactly. Because there's two ways. One, you can actually track that cat's information with the shelter or group that did the TNR. That's great. They may actually have the vaccine dates. But even if not, if you know they were microchipped a year ago, that's most likely when everything was done at the same time, especially if it's not a social cat. Are there people out there that are really not into microchipping at all? Do they think it's not uh, a valuable use of resources? Are there any naysayers out there or are we all pretty supportive about microchipping? I would say it's not a matter of naysayers. It's just people who don't understand the importance. So it's not that they're against it. They're just not for it. And I'll give you an example that one of the practices we teach to shelters is that all animals are microchipped when they leave the shelter, no matter what, whether they're adopted or reclaimed as a found pet. Because typically adopted pets are, but sometimes reclaimed pets are not, which doesn't make sense because they're an animal that somehow got out and ended up at the shelter, and it's more likely that that's gonna happen again. And the reason that a lot of shelters haven't been doing that is because they're saying, well, but what if the owner doesn't want it? And then the same is true of the shelter in San Jose where we were just teaching this week is that they were very enthusiastic about this idea of more sort of mass microchipping because they're dealing with a very large community. And they talked about their struggles at intake as spay neuter, explaining to people what a microchip is and how it can be registered. And this whole thing over and over again, a million times when my suggestion was, well, just make it a policy as some spay neuter clinics do. You pay X amount of money. This is the package you get spay or neuter, rabies shot, microchip. You don't pick and choose. This is what you get. Mm -hmm. And then most people will say, oh, okay, because it's free or 20 bucks or 
if you give them a choice, it's not that they don't want it. It's just that they don't see the value. And if it's going to cost more, they'll say, oh, you know, I, I don't need that. My cat stays in the house or whatever the right. response is going to be. So I think that's putting more responsibility on shelters and spay neuter clinics. But that's fair because we're the ones who understand how the system works. Most people don't and we can't expect them to. So at least getting that done ensures that if that cat ever gets into trouble, the owner can be contacted. So what's new at Missing Pet Partnership these days? What have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, in 2017, we have launched our Mission Reunite Animal Shelter Training Seminar, which is Lost Pet Prevention and Recovery Training Seminar. And we are focusing on shelters and coalitions of shelters that want to improve their best practices around increasing reclaim rates of owners finding their pets and also lowering their intake. So if people have their pets at home and they're being kept securely, they have identification, they're not going to end up at the shelter. So we train the shelters for best practices, things that they can do at the shelter and also outreach and education for their community. For example, with cats, many people will think if a cat disappears, my cat went away to die, my cat ran away. There's all these myths that are seldom what actually happened. My cat was eaten by a coyote. Even though there's no evidence, these things happen. But if people understand that cats, especially indoor cats, are most likely to be right around your house. They're probably going to be under your own house or maybe next door. So when people come in looking for a lost pet, if they're given this information, they can go home and find their pet rather than you know, never finding them and having them die out in the community or get absorbed into a stray population. So we, we just came back from the city of San Jose. And then in March, we will be working in Maricopa County, Arizona. And we're really looking forward to that because that's a very, very high volume shelter. A lot of cat issues in that area. And then we're just sending out pitches to a lot of other shelters and getting some referrals. So we're hoping to be traveling all over the country teaching these best practices. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was actually just doing a uh, cable TV show a couple of days ago with the animal control officer in Chelsea, Massachusetts. And he was talking about how when people lose their pets in Chelsea, he goes, the first thing they turn to is they want to post a picture of the cat up on Facebook and send it all mm-hmm. through social media. He goes, but nobody calls me to tell me about it, you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and so he's like, you need to stay focused. What What does it mean for Facebook to see it when you want to make sure your neighbors got the information and that he has the information where he's in the community and he's driving around and he's able to keep a, an eye out and actually help with looking. So you have to start small first and then build your your radius out from there. Exactly. And you want to engage animal control and your local shelters. You want to engage. Facebook is great, but it's also looking for a lost dog or a lost cat is apples and oranges. Dogs can travel very far. Cats usually do not. So by teaching people the correct ways to look for a cat, they're a lot more likely to find them and get them back home as opposed to posting on Facebook or going down to the shelter, which they should check the shelter. But more often, the cat is just going to be really close to home. And if they're not looking, they're never going to find. Bridget, if there are folks that are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing with Mission Reunited um, and the Mission Pet Partnership, um, how would they reach out to you? They can go to missingpetpartnership.org 
And there's a lot of information on our page about lost pet consulting, about tips that you can give people who are looking for a missing pet. And anyone is welcome to reach out to me. It's B Wasson, B-W-A-S-S-O-N at missingpetpartnership.org. And I'm happy to share information or answer any questions. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this kickoff episode of Microchipping March Madness. Um, and I hope this will bring attention to the needs of microchipping and that everyone out there will think about it a little bit more if you're not currently microchipping to just think about how you can bring that into your organization and, and help yourself out and be able to identify your cats and your colonies. So I think it's just important for us to think about microchipping. And I thought March would be the perfect month for us to just kind of think about it and, and make sure that we're really considering getting every cat and dog microchipped. So I want to thank you again, Bridget. And I truly do hope, and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Great. Thank you, Stacy. Do you have the perfect selfie with you and one of your cats to share with us for Valentine's Day? Submit your photos to our My Feline Valentine contest and enter to win prizes, a $50 Amazon gift card, books from New York Times bestselling author Cheryl Richardson. Cheryl Richardson's team will be judging the selfies to determine who should win a prize. Winners will be announced on March 8th. As we get submissions, we'll also be sharing some of our best photos on our Facebook page, so keep a lookout there. Check out communitycatspodcast.com to find out how to submit your selfie. 